1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20, and it reads, and when Samuel, somebody say Samuel, Samuel was the prophet at the time, had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen, and when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their family, the families of Metri was chosen, and Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, they could not find him, therefore they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? The Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the equipment. I'll catch you up later in the message, but let me just give you this. This was the inauguration of the first king of Israel. They were anointing Saul, king of the entire country. And when it came time to put the crown on the king's head, the king was nowhere to be found. It was his moment, and he was hiding. They sought the Lord. God said, he's hiding in the luggage. Go get him out the closet. They go grab Saul and they bring him out. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen that there is no, this is the prophet saying this about Saul. There's nobody like this guy. He's chosen by God. So all the people shouted and said, long live. The King, Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that the Spirit of the Lord is here. God, your presence is here. Wherever your presence is, there's fullness, there's joy, there's visions, there's dreams, there's breakthrough, there's healing. God, I thank you that in this moment you're taking one message and you're dividing it up amongst thousands of people, making it exactly what every single person needs in this moment. Can you say this with me? Everybody here, can you say this? Say, God, as you speak, I will obey in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. We are uh, concluding a series that we've been in called Doorways and Decision. Have you enjoyed this series? Have you enjoyed? By the way, whenever the pastor asks you, have you enjoyed the message? There's only, it's a rhetorical question. There's only one answer to have you enjoyed it. Yes, it's been amazing. Even if you haven't, just lie to me and encourage me because I need it. But this series really came from something that God downloaded in my heart, that he is getting ready to open doors in the church that we never thought possible. Now, if you don't know what the church is, you might say, oh, that's good because you think the church is a building. You think the church is an organization. Hear me, this building is not the church. I am not the church. Church of church is not an organization. The church are the people of God knit together. You are the church because his spirit, his power dwells inside of you. So when I say God is getting ready to open doors for the church, he's getting ready to open doors for you, doors of influence, doors of relationships being reconciled, doors of businesses being launched, doors of favor and influence. God is getting ready to open doors in your life that you wouldn't even know to pray for. Can you just say amen? Even if you're skeptical, can and you say amen. Even if you're not sure, it here's the thing. If it doesn't apply to you, you have nothing to lose by believing in it. And if it does apply to you, you have everything to lose by not believing in it. God's getting ready to open supernatural doors in your life. But here's what he mandated me. He said, hey, first you have to get people's faith level to the place where I could do in their lives what I want to do. But he said the second thing is you have to prepare them for an open door. It's really bad when doors aren't opening. It's worse when doors open and you're not ready. Come on now. It's amazing. Every time there's an economic downturn and real estate goes on sale and everything's at a great price, everybody's like, oh, bye, 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 bye. You can't buy, 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 buy if you haven't been preparing, 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 preparing prior because you need some. It's a problem when doors open. 
and you're not prepared for that open door. Two weeks we were talking about how closed doors are a blessing. So often we spend time crying and bemoaning Baltimore County to God. Why haven't you opened this door? Why haven't you made this opportunity? And hear me, if God hasn't opened a door yet, it's because there's something better that he is preparing for you. There's no way that God would close off something in your life and there's not something beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine on the other side. And instead of crying about the door not being open, use that time to prepare. When that door's open, it's too late to get ready. And I've just learned you don't have to get ready if you, you see, y'all hear the same God I hear. Last week, we talked about how not every open door is God. Listen, the enemy knows that God wants to do great things in your life, and he's going to do everything he can do to distract you, to detour you. Some doors are God doors. Some doors are just good doors. Some doors aren't even good doors. They're setback doors. Some, some doors are destructive. Some doors are detours. You need the discernment of God to know it looks good, it smells good, and it walks good. But is it God? Today, today I want to preach a message called Close the Door Behind You. We've kindly finally gotten to the place where the door is open. You're getting ready to walk through. And I've discovered if I don't learn to close the door behind me, I'm not going to maximize all that God has for me. I, uh, I'm kind of proud about it. I think it's kind of dysfunctional, Sonia, but, uh, you know, sometimes you get prideful in your own dysfunction. Uh, I, I am not a very emotional person. You, you, you're not going to find me, like, weeping or crying. I don't get super excited. I don't, I don't get super mad. I'm just kind of even-keeled. Anybody like that? You're just, we consider ourselves stable. You emotional people are unstable. You make us nervous. You just, this roller coaster. We don't ever know what we're going to get. I'm, I'm kind of just, I mean, people say it's kind of like a serial killer but I'm not like that. I'm just, 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 my, my wife, it kind of irritates her because she's like, are you happy? And I'm like, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> she's like, I can't, especially when she gets me a gift. She's like, look what I got you. Like, wow, babe, this is great. She's like, you must hate it. I was like, no, actually, I love it. Is that a tear? Nope, I don't do that. When I'm angry, I'm like this. When I'm happy, like, it's just, it's just, I'm just, I'm consistent. That's how I sleep at night. I just say I'm consistent. I don't, I don't get emotional. I, I, I do want to say this, particularly for the men that you're like me and you're not very emotional. Um, I, I do make sure I, I, I watch, though, how often I'm crying or weeping in the presence of God. That's actually the only place where I do get emotional. Because I've just discovered, if, and this is just me, you do whatever you want, at least for me, at least once a week, if tears aren't streaming down my face as I'm worshiping God, for me, that means my, hard, my heart is getting hard. It means I'm getting desensitized to the presence of God, and I'm just like, God, I never want to be such a, you know, thug life, hardened criminal that, that I can't sense the presence of God. But other than the presence of God, you ain't going to catch me. Listen, if you see me crying, y'all... Call him a shrink. Call somebody. He's, he's, he's cracking up right now. I, I do remember one, one, one of the few times that, that I actually got really emotional, and I kind of caught myself off guard because I didn't see it coming. Is when, when, when we moved out of the first house that me, me and my wife bought together, I, I had a house before we got married. She moved in. She's like, I ain't living here. This is a bachelor pad. This is not a place for a wife. We out. So we were out. 
happy wife, happy life. We, we actually moved into an apartment here in Howard County. It was this big step of faith because the church had not yet moved here yet, and we weren't quite sure if it was going to work out, and we didn't know if we'd ever be able to afford a house or whatever it may be, and, and, and obviously, God has blessed the church supernaturally since then, and we're all over Maryland and about to be all over Virginia and Philly and New York, and I was just prophesying, don't get scared, but anyway... So we were in our first place, and I mean, it was a miracle that we got there, but two years ago, we sold it, and we knew, moved into a new house, and it was great, and we got some moving people to pack us up, and they moved all our stuff out, and then my wife said, hey, make sure to go back to the house and just make sure we haven't left anything, make sure it's all clean for the people that we've sold it to. Can you just go check? So next thing I know, I find myself in the house that, that we moved out of, and I, I walk in, and my wife hates when I make fun of us, but I was like, oh, snap, it's clean. I never seen it this clean before. <laughs> Next thing you know, y'all, I start walking through the house, and I got emotional. I'm like, this is where Zoe grew up. And that, that's where Roman took his first steps. That, that, that's where Zoe fell out the bassinet and hit her head, but her mom didn't find out, so we were good. She's safe, by the way. She's good. Other than the fact that she walks backwards everywhere she goes. Other than that, I'm sure she's fine. She'll be just as smart as her dad. <laughs> Man, we got some really great news in that house. When our hearts were broken in that house and God remended them. And I remember, like, I, it just caught me off guard. I was, I'm like tear streaming. I'm just like, I, I think I was so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. God, look what you've done. Look how far you've brought us. I never knew this was possible. And I remember just kind of reminiscing, just, just thinking. It was like a scene from Real World. I don't know if I got any 90 babies in here, but it's just like that, that season finale. And I took one last look. <laughs> Y'all was as wretched as I was, huh? Thank God for his grace. Anyway, I took one last look. Then I closed the door behind me. And y'all, when I closed that door, I never opened it again. I never went back. You know how weird it would be to go back if somebody else lived there? I just want to see what it's like. What'd you do to the place? Leave. Here is the whole message. I got three points, but I could preach it in 10 seconds. If you're going to step into all that God has for you, you got to close the door on the season you're coming out of. You can't maximize all that God has for you and leave an open door to your yesterday at the same time. And for so many people, we're believing God for more. And just in case you feel guilty, there is nothing wrong with believing God for more. Matter of fact, Baltimore County, it is biblical to believe God for more. Sometimes we like, I shouldn't want anything more than I have. I should just be happy. I should just be content. God has been good, and I don't need him to do anything else more for me. Yes, you don't need him to, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to. Contentment is this. I have found my satisfaction in God. He is enough. And by the way, God is the only place where you will find completeness and satisfaction. It doesn't come from being married or having more kids or having more money or having more influence. Contentment only comes from God. But there is a difference between contentment and complacency. Contentment is I don't need anymore. 
Complacency is I don't want anymore, and complacency is not of God because God says, I desire that you would go from glory to glory to glory to glory. I desire that your life would exemplify what it means to be a follower of God, and it means he's constantly moving you forward. So there's nothing wrong with wanting more, but you can't want more, walk into more, and stay in yesterday at the same time. And God just gave me a picture of, I want to open doors for Union Church. I want to use them in influential ways, but there's so many people that you're trying to straddle two realities. You're trying to hold on to all that God has for you, but you're not trying to let go of the season he's bringing you out of. You're like, man, this is great. This is exciting. I want this, but oh, I really enjoyed this. For so many of us, God is saying, I've opened a door. Will you walk through and will you close the door behind? It doesn't work when you're straddling two realities. You're married now. You have a new future. Stop romanticizing the past. It's amazing how we could be committed to one person and romanticizing the old person. Oh, I love you, but oh, they were so much more romantic than you. Oh, you're romantic, but they were so much more organized, or they, you know, could, could, could understand me more. And we find ourselves kind of just straddling between two worlds. And God is saying, you'll never maximize where you are today unless you close the door on yesterday. Here's the problem with leaving the door for yesterday open. You don't really remember what yesterday was like. Yeah, about, man, you remember the good old days? Oh, man, I remember when I wasn't married and had no kids back in college. Oh, those days. I don't know about you. The good old days weren't that good for me. I was broke. I had student loans. I didn't know how to dress. I still don't. Nobody cared who I was. The good old There's something about how we romanticize the past, not realizing that it's not as good as we thought it was. Oh, come on, Pastor. Somebody say preach the Bible. I am. Calm down. So here's what happened. Israel's in the wilderness, and it wasn't going too well out there in the wilderness. What did they say? They said, Moses, take us back to Egypt. Remember back in Egypt when we had beef and steaks and links? It was a lie, y'all. There was no beef back in Egypt. There was no links back in Egypt. They were slaves back in Egypt, but because they were intimidated by the new season that they were in, they were fantasizing over what they thought the past was, and it wasn't. You won't step into all that God has for you. When you're trying to sustain old relationships, old mindsets, old ways of doing life, you are now a CEO. You have a business. You have employees. Stop trying to micromanage people that you hire to do the job just because you can't comprehend the fact that your influence has changed. You can apply it to any area of your life. Your kids are grown and gone. They don't need you to tell them what to do anymore. That season is over. Can I get some kids say it? I got some parents, I don't know if I like this guy. Just preach the word. Just stay in the word. Trust me, I'm in the word. I'm going to give you just three quick things. Three things are right down. First thing is this. Y'all taking notes? 
You know, those who take notes in church have a 78% more likely chance to make it into heaven. Um, I really think you should take notes in church. I'm just trying to help you. I'll give you the best shot that you can. I'll say this, 84% of all statistics by pastors are made up, so you can take it any way you want. First thing I want you to write down is this. Come on, Baltimore County. Don't apologize for open doors. If you're going to maximize this new season of influence that God has for you, you have to stop apologizing for the fact that God has opened a door in your life. In this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 10, the prophet Samuel, he went to Saul. He took him away from his friends into a private room, pulled out a bottle of oil, and poured it on his head. And he said, Saul, you are the anointed of God. You are the king that God has anointed for this season. In a few days, we're going to have an inauguration. We're going to call all the tribes, all the people. They're going to come, and we're going to celebrate the fact that you are the chosen of God. Why did I tell you that? To let you know Saul knew he was the king. He wasn't caught off guard. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a guessing thing. He knew that he was the chosen of God. But they had to go through the whole ceremony of, of the inauguration. So they bring the entire nation there, all the tribes, the dignitaries from each tribe showed up. The army was there. The band was there. The priests were there. They went through this whole ceremony where they said, God has chosen the tribe of Benjamin. And out of the tribe of Benjamin, he's chosen the clan of Matri. And out of the clan of Matri, he's chosen the family of Kish. And out of the family of Kish, he has picked as our king, Saul. Saul, where you at? Saul was hiding in a closet because he was so intimidated by the door that God has opened him. For so many of us, God has opened a door of influence and you've closed it in his face. They, they, they call this imposter syndrome. Where you... I don't know if I have what it takes. There's a lot of people out there. What if I make a fool of myself? What if I mess up? What if I can't maximize that moment? What if, what if, what if, what if? And it's like that awkward moment where the concert has begun. They're waiting for the first note and there's silence. God sent me to tell you some of you, God has opened a door in your life and you are Maybe you've shown up physically, but emotionally and spiritually, you are AWOL. You're missing in action. You have tapped out because you don't think you have what it takes to maximize that moment. There's some of you that have children. You are a parent, but you're hiding because you're paralyzed by fear of, am I going to make the same mistakes that my mom made or my dad made? And instead of being a parent and guiding that child, you're trying to be their friend. And their parent is missing in action. Some of you have been following God for years. You've tested God. You've proven God. You know who God is. You have something to offer people around you. But you attend Union Church and you are hiding. 
I don't know if they're going to risk my gifts, and I don't know if they're going to use what God, I don't know if I can find a place here, so I'm just going to wait. This is, this is my hiding Christian voice. You're only offended if I'm talking to you. I'm just going to wait for somebody to ask me if I'm needed, and if I'm not needed, I'm, listen, hear me, you are needed. We can't build this without what God has placed in your life. You are needed. Stop hiding. You are called for such a time as this this. I am so tired of Christians apologizing for being favored by God. Stop apologizing for the fact that God has opened doors for you, that God has chosen you, that God has used you. Stop apologizing for the fact that God has blessed you. You can't maximize a season and apologize it for at the same time. One of the reasons why we hide is because we don't know if we have what it takes to maximize a moment. I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself. I don't know if I can do it. I remember when probably the most intimidating moment of my life was when I was installed as a senior pastor of my father's church. I was 23 years old. I was not married, and I had never been to cemetery. I mean seminary. Sorry, I got, got this speech thing. I keep on messing that up. I, mean, I don't know if you know how kind of the ministry works, but, but people don't like young pastors because they don't think they know what they're talking about. Some of us do. That they don't like single pastors because they don't know if they've lived enough life to have proven God and, and they want you to have some MDiv or some demon or whatever it may be. And I just, just <laughs> it's a doctorate of ministry. You also might catch a demon when you go get it. But anyway, <laughs> somebody said three strikes and you're out. I was the least likely candidate. I was, when they put me in as pastor, it was kind of like, dude, we don't got no other options. <laughs> put that guy in. I remember one of my overseers at that time, he, he read a verse over me as he was praying for me with installation. And, and, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm saying his words over me so anchored me, I have not questioned the call of God on my life since. It was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. If you don't mind, come on, Baltimore County, can I read this over you? The one who has called you, just pause called you to be that wife, to be that husband, to be that business owner, to be that pastor, to be that leader, to be that, whatever he's called you to do, the one who called you, he is faithful, and he will do it. Hear me? There is no door that God has opened in your life that he will not empower you and equip you to max. Do you think that God would open a door for you to go through and make a fool of yourself? I, I, I remember when, when, when me and my wife, we, we were having our first daughter, Zoe, and, and we didn't have any kids, and we were scared, y'all. You know you can jack a kid up? Like every crazy person out there has parents. And at least some of their crazy is their fault. And there's just, I mean, especially after Zoe was born. Y'all, we didn't sleep one wink for like six weeks, not because she was up at night, but because we were, one, did we do something wrong? We're just hovering over, just staring. Is she breathing? Is she eating enough? Is she... Whether it's being a mom or being a dad or being a pastor or entrepreneur, do you think God would open a door for you and not empower you to maximize that opportunity? Do you think he, he just doesn't have enough Netflix to watch that he wants to make a movie out of your life? And, and let me just go get some entertainment. Let me send them into a situation that they're not prepared for. Luke chapter 12 verse 11 says this, don't be so concerned about what to say in your defense. Why do you belong in this position with this? He said, don't worry about that. For the Holy Spirit, somebody say, he's in me. Now, let me just pause. If you're not a Christian and you don't have the Holy Spirit, you should be worried. 
you are in over your head. But if you are a follower of God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words even as you are standing there. Baltimore County, I love God's word. Does anybody love God's word? I love God's word. I just don't like God's word. This is my son's sacrilegious. God's word is written wrong. It's not the way I would write it. Here's how I would write the Bible. Hey, don't worry about what to say because when you're in the moment, I would have given you the words three weeks prior. That's what I wish it said. Hey, hey, don't worry about not having enough to maximize that new position at your job because a year before it came, I'll give you every, no, no, no. He said, don't worry about it because while you are standing, couldn't you have empowered me before I was standing? Couldn't you have put the, but there's something about the fact that God will always put you in a position where you're in over your head. This may not be encouraging, but let me preach to you. If you think you don't have what it takes, you're right. <laughs> you don't have what it takes. Because God would never open a door that you had in yourself enough to maximize it, because then you'd be able to do it without him. And God will never put you in a position where you don't need him. But in him, you have more than enough. It says he prepareth, you got to go King James on him, a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He anointeth my cup with oil, my head with oil, my cup runneth. Sorry if I spit on y'all, it's King James, it's not my fault. But here's what, watch this process. I'm an econ major. I, everything in my life is a formula. That's why I preach three points every Sunday. It's like, here's the formula for whatever we preach it. He said, he pre prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. So watch the process. He said, first, he will open a door for you in front of people who don't think you have what it takes. By the way, oftentimes, the greatest enemy in your life is you. Oftentimes, nobody doubts your ability no more than you do. He said he prepares the table for me in the present, and then he anoints my head with oil. Then my cup runs over, which means the door opens before I'm anointed for it. And it's actually my step of faith that allow God to empower me for that moment. And then he said, then the results come. Then your cup runs over. What am I trying to say? It takes faith to maximize an opportunity because you'll never feel like you have enough. And if you wait to feel like you belong there, you will spend your life hiding from God opportunities. Another reason why we don't walk through open doors and we don't close it behind us is because we feel guilty. Because one of the things I've discovered about God doors is sometimes they're really narrow and all my friends can't fit through with me. Sometimes where God has taken me is super narrow and my family can't fit through that doorway with me. And we look at the God has opened up, but we look at who can't come with us. We look at the opportunity that God has for us, and we want that same for other people. And because of that, we live our lives apologizing for favor. Do you know how many wealthy people, particularly here in America, feel guilty about their wealth? It's like I have to hide it because it's somehow the fact that I have more than I need must mean that I'm evil or greedy or materialistic. As opposed to I'm walking in the fulfillment of Scripture where God said he'll give me more than enough so that I could be generous on every occasion. You ever been in a conversation with your friends and you had nothing to contribute? Because they were complaining about something that you haven't walked through in a long time? 
They're talking about being depressed or full of anxiety or stressed out or I hate my husband, I hate my wife, my kids are ratchet or whatever it may be. I have no peace, I can't sleep at night, I got more month than I got money. And you're just, oh man, that must be tough. But I'll pray for you, it's about all you got because God has taken you into a new season in your life. And watch this, you begin to feel guilty. Stop apologizing for God opening doors in your life. Here's the thing. If he wanted someone else, he would have picked someone else. The fact that he picked you is the fact that he wanted you to be in that spot. Jeremiah 1, 17 says this, but make sure you get dressed for work. And when you go to work, I like how he said work. He said, say to them everything that I've commanded. He said, don't shrink back. Don't get quiet. Don't be intimidated just because it's a new. He said, say everything I told you to say. And he said, do not be dismayed. In other translations, don't be afraid of them, lest I dismay you. This is the ultimate mama verse right here. I give you something to cry about. God said, if you want to be intimidated by somebody, be intimidated by me, the one who has opened the door for you. But do not let another human being intimidate you from what I've called you to be. Hey, Pastor, why are you yelling? You're a little bit strong. All right, we'll go ahead and point two. We'll laugh in point two. Go ahead, write this down, write this down, write this down. You need to walk in expecting opposition. Walk in. Here, here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. For a great and effective, somebody say great and effective door has opened to me. Come on, Baltimore County. But there are many adversaries. This goes to be another verse in the Bible that I love but I do not like. Paul said, whoa, God has opened. Man, my business just doubled. Uh, God's given us five new campuses in five new states. Y'all got enough faith over there. They screaming in Baltimore County, though. Come on now. God's opened a great door of influence and effectiveness. And there are many, not but. He didn't even say but. He said, and there are many adversaries. Here's what you, with every open door is going to come Problems. And if we don't expect the problems, here's one of two things that are going to happen. The problems on the other side of the door are going to make us think that we missed God. Because someone lied to you and told you walking with God means that life is easy like Sunday morning. I don't know if you've ever been on church on Sunday morning. I work on Sunday mornings. It's not easy at all. There is nothing easy about walking with God. Matter of fact, the more you walk with God, the more the enemy will oppose you. Matter of fact, when warfare is coming, sometimes it's confirmation that you're right where you need to be. Don't be shocked when you walk into a new business, when your business doubles, when you walk into a new relationship or a new area of influence or a new ministry and there's warfare on the other. Don't be surprised. Expect it. First Peter 4.12 says this, dear friends. I like how Peter, he's trying to calm y'all down. Hey, friend. Don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through fiery trials. By the way, if you read scripture, there's trials and then there's fiery trials. Trials are this season stinks. Fiery trials are I'm getting lit up right now. I don't know what. He said, don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials, for this is not strange or unusual that this is going to happen to you. Sometimes we forget that we're followers of Jesus. Somebody say he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in order to be that, he had to die 
So often we miss the suffering of Jesus and we only talk about the triumph of Jesus. But before every triumph, there's suffering. When you walk through a door, don't expect it to be easy like Sunday morning. There's going to be opposition. So watch this. Saul, anointed king. Long live the king. Do you know what Saul did after he was anointed king? This joker moved back in with his parents and went back to being a shepherd. Here you have a king pretending to be a shepherd. You could preach that to yourself on the way home. I just wonder how many kings we have in this room, how many queens we have in this room, but you're pretending to be like a shepherd. You know, it's so funny. I, I, I've discovered that some people can see the calling of God on your life more than you can. This, this never happened to me. This is completely hypothetical, um, maybe. You ever been at a place you weren't supposed to be? Yeah, at a party, at the club, at a tall glass of communion. <laughs> but that's what it is, right? <laughs> and someone looked at you like, why are you here? You ever had an unbeliever tell you you shouldn't be sinning? <laughs> that's what you know. Like, there's just, I just need to get right with God. Because I got people who don't even know God telling me I don't believe in it. They're looking at you and saying, you're a king. Why are you acting like a shepherd? You don't belong here. Here it was, King Saul, he was hiding out again in his father's field. But it said that, and, and it's just, I think God sent the enemy to attack. Because God knows that opposition will bring the king out of us. And, and it said the enemy came in and attacked, and Israel began to say, hey, God gave us a king. This is his problem. Where that king at that's supposed to fix this problem? They went down to Kish's house, and they said, you're the king. You fix it. We're under attack. Watch this. When Saul heard that his nation was under attack, the Bible says a godly anger began to rise up inside of him. The anointing of God came upon him. He said, get the army. It's time to attack. If we only understood the problem is not there to defeat us. The problem is there to act the gift of God inside of us. The problem is a problem for everybody else, but it's not a problem for you because you are God's solution to that problem. Hear me, leader. If there was no problem, we wouldn't need you. You, you, you don't need leaders for easy days. You need leaders for when there's war, for when there's problems, for when there's setback. You were called for such a time as this. And one of the things that I've discovered is it's problems that keep you from hiding and forces you to step up and to be who God's called to be. And watch this. Saul went out. They had an amazing victory. And after that victory, he never went back to the sheep. It was that victory that had convinced him that he was the king that God called him to be. Some of us, we hate problems, we hate setbacks, we hate when we run into issues, Baltimore County, but what you don't realize is it's that issue that's going to remind you who God made you to be. It's when the enemy comes in like a flood, but yet God raises up a standard against them. It's when everybody around you says, there's no way you can accomplish that, and five years later, you're accomplishing beyond anything that they could ever act, think, or imagine. If truth be told, you doubted you just like they doubted you. But you did it anyway. You did it scared. And, and now look what God, look at the family that God has built, even though I didn't come from a healthy family. Look at the business that God has built, even though I didn't have a degree in the business that I'm leading. Look at the ministry God has built. This is going to sound shady, but y'all know I'm shady. That's why I don't mess with Christians that haven't been through anything. 
That's why I don't mess with Christians that haven't faced any battles. If you love God and your life has been easy like Sunday morning, God bless you. I love you. I'll pastor you, but I ain't going to ride with you because I need some people that have been through some fiery trials. I need some people that have tested and proven God. I need some people that have looked at situations that looked impossible, that looked hopeless, and yet you stepped up by faith and saw the Spirit of God come in. I wonder, is there anybody in this room that you haven't just read about Jehovah Jireh, your provider, but you've experienced Jehovah Jireh, your provider. When you did not have enough, I can't finish this semester. I don't know what I'm going to do, and I can't even explain to you where it came from. I just know that my provider made a way. I wonder, is there anybody in here, you don't sing about God the healer. You don't preach about God the healer. You've experienced Experience God the healer because the doctor said it wasn't possible. Go make your peace with God. But Jehovah Rapha, my healer, stepped in that room and said, I've got a better word. I wonder, has anybody tested and proved God that he can guard your heart? He can guard your mind. There's people around you that are losing their mind every day, but you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. There's something about opposition that proves God in you. Can I just say it this way? I would not wish my battles on my worst enemy. I wish my mom was still here. I wish some of the people that walked out of my life had never walked out of my life. I wish I had never been through some of the tragedies and traumas that I've been through, but it's because of them that I have seen God in ways honestly, that other people have not seen God in. And I'm grateful for the trials because it proved to me who my God is. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to apologize for the confidence that I gained when I saw God come through for me. I've discovered that people that have not tested God are always intimidated by the confidence of people who know God. But here's what the Bible says. There are a people who know who their God is, and they are able here. So I'm going to maximize this moment. You don't maximize open doors being intimidated. You don't maximize open doors by shrinking back. Hear me, union staff. Stop apologizing for the door that God has opened for you and walk through and maximize it by the anointing of God. Write this down. Let's land this plane. Just make sure when you walk through that door, guys, that you go through that door based on what you can give, not based on what you can get. When you walk through that door, of when you blow up, and you're just making it rain, and you're so rich, you don't even know what to do with it. Make sure to tithe at Union Church. I didn't get one amen. Make sure to tithe at Union Church. <laughs> you think I appreciate all this faith? Okay. But don't walk through that door based on what it can do for you. Walk through that door based on God. How, how can I be a blessing to other people? Yo, Saul won one measly battle. Read on your own time, 1 Samuel 13. This joker's head blew up. After one, Saul goes and builds a statue of himself. 
If he built the statue right, the statue should have looked like this. Because that's who he really was. But just a little bit of influence, just a few Instagram followers, just a couple people saying, oh my gosh, are you? Wow, can, can I take a picture with you? Just a little notoriety, and it went right to his head. And he said, look at the king that I am. And in that moment, God snatched the kingdom from him. He said, where's David? I need a man that's after my own heart. Because what Saul didn't understand is God doesn't open doors for you. He opens doors to move through you. Open doors aren't about you being famous. God don't care about you being famous. Open doors aren't about you being wealthy. God doesn't care about you being wealthy just so that you can be wealthy. You remember Joseph? God made Joseph second command in all of Egypt. When God first gave Joseph the dream, Joseph said, all my family members, y'all going to worship me? It was all about me. That's why he spent 13 years in prison because God had to humble him. And finally, when he stepped into that, by the way, his family did worship him, but he didn't even notice. Because by the time they were worshiping him, it was in the middle of a famine. Everybody was dying. And God had given Joseph the wisdom to store up grain so that they could live. Look what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20. He said, you intended this to harm me, but God planned all of this to accomplish what is being done right now. God did all of this to make me famous, y'all. Read the name on the back of my jersey. God did all this so I would be known as the youngest, the first to 30, the most influential under 40, the most wealthy by 50. No, he did all of this. Watch this. For the saving of many lives. It was never about Joseph. God didn't open the door because he wanted the door open for you. God opened the door because he knew you walking through would be a blessing to hundreds of people. Pastor, I don't need a big business. I don't need a lot of wealth. I, I, I'm good enough with what I have. The wealth was never about you. God needs you to have a big business so you can employ, employ hundreds of families and be a blessing to them and help them pass on general wealth to their kids. You're missing God opportunities because you're making it about you. It was never about you. So when you walk through a door, don't ask what my title is going to be. Ask God, how many hurting and broken people can I heal and lift up? And watch this. When you make open doors all about God, he makes open doors all about you. There's no way that you can walk into an area of influence, maximize it, and your income not increase. He said, I will make your name great. There is no way you could be used in a great way by God and stay obsolete. He will make your name great. But by the time he does it, you won't even care. Because that's not what you were in it for. He said, if you would just focus on being a blessing to people, I'll make sure that you're blessed beyond your wildest expectation. Proverbs 11.25 says this, the people that think about other people, the generous souls will be made rich. And he who waters others himself will be watered. The people will curse you if you make it all about you. If you withhold grace, it's all about me. So you, you, you know, sometimes we talk about, I got so many haters in my life. You earned them. They're, they're not hating on you because they're horrible people. They're hating on you because you made your whole life about. He said, you're going to get cursed if you withhold. But watch this. But blessing will be on the head of him who, read their last two words with me, Baltimore County. Who, come on, say it. Who, who? I love, I like the Bible. Y'all like the Bible? He didn't say give it away for free. Ain't nothing wrong with getting paid. 
I was in school for six years to get this degree. I ain't giving it to you for free. <laughs> no, I worked for this. I developed this. I, 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 while you were out partying, I was in the library. While, while you were acting a fool, I was actually living set apart. No, I worked for this. And he said, no, you can sell it. He, he, he said, just don't make it about you. Your entire life is focused on how I can be a blessing to people. Watch God bring you to places of influence that you never thought possible. Union Church, call me a prophet or not, you can figure out what's coming. God's getting ready to open doors for you. And when that door opens, don't you dare hesitate, don't you dare apologize, and don't you dare make it about you. Step in with confidence and maximize every ounce of favor God's given you. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for your grace and your favor on our lives. I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice, God, that you would build our confidence, that you would build our courage. God, we thank you that you are opening doors of wealth, of influence, of ministry in this region to transform lives, not for us, but for the advancing of your kingdom. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. There's so many of us that we're believing for God to open doors in front of us, but we've never opened our heart to God in the first place. God's not a genie that just makes life good for us. He's a loving father. He's the creator of the world. He's the one that gave his life so that you can live for eternity. And everything worth having starts with him. And if you can get it without him, it's not worth having. So what I'm asking you today is Jesus is the center of your life. Because without him there, nothing works. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I grew up in church and I know the whole church deal, but I'm going to be honest with you, God's not the center of my life right now. Or maybe you've never been in an atmosphere like this before. You didn't even know that God knew who you are, what he does, and he wants you to be his son, to be his daughter. You say, Pastor, I would like that. Right we are, that we watch it online in Baltimore, here in Columbia. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again so that all of my sin can be erased. Today, I surrender. I give you full control of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person?